Good morning and welcome back to Rural Queensland today. We're going to start the show with the leader of the National Party this morning, David Littleproud, joins us. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, you're good, mate. Good to be with you. How's Western Australia, brother? Uh, yeah, it's a bit warmer than uh, than home, mate. But uh, look, obviously a bit different over here. Good to get around. Been up at Carnarvon, uh, down to a field day today near uh, south of Perth, uh, and then heading to the Pilbara to have a look at some mining. So uh, having a good look around, mate, while we're here. And listening, learning, and understanding uh, WA does it a bit different to everyone else. Yeah, it, it, they do do it differently, and, and it's obviously a big part of the the vote. And, and obviously, the national parties need to have a footprint there. You've backed the senior uh, uh, colleagues' claim that Scott Morrison's secret portfolio grab breached the coalition agreement. Can we just talk about this? Obviously, there is a feud at the moment going on, and it's not a good look under any circumstance what Scott Morrison has done. Can we just explain to everybody where you are at and where the National Party's at? Well, look, where we're at is we're very happy with Peter Dutton. Peter Dutton and I have a very good relationship. Uh, what we're saying is that relationship has to be built on trust uh, and the, the decisions that are made uh, need to have a National Party lens over it, a rural and regional lens over it. That's who we represent. Uh, we don't have to compromise on values or principles because we've got city members and have to have to worry about them. Uh, we need to make sure that there's somebody at the table making decisions from regional rural Australia. And if someone wants to circumvent that, then that's not that's a breach of faith in what we have agreed. Now, Scott technically didn't ever have to pull that off. Uh, there was a disagreement over PEP 11. And I've got to say, the PEP 11 decision had nothing really to do with National Party seats. So um, we really just want an explanation from Scott to make sure that he did respect the coalition agreement. He respected the fact that the National Party had to be there. Otherwise, we were concerned that there were other decisions because there was a lot that was coming out at the time that we were hearing that uh, he'd taken ownership of, that he was making decisions, could have been making decisions on, uh, that didn't have um, rural and regional lens over it. So, you know, this is about making sure you understand we're two different parties. We're not the same party. Uh, we have different values and principles to the Liberal Party, and I'm going to protect that. I'm going to preserve that. But I'm very confident with the relationship I have with Peter Dutton uh, that we do have a trans uh, a transparent relationship that uh, we can trust one another. Um, I trust him implicitly. Uh, he's a bloody good bloke. And so we, we've worked it out and where we're going to move forward, but it was just to make sure that Scott Morrison didn't make any decisions without that region rural lens. I'm com- comfortable that he hasn't, uh, and that's fine. Uh, he's made a mistake. He's been big enough to admit that, and it's time now. And I think, sadly, um, this prime minister that we've got is more more focused on on attacking Scott Morrison now than actually getting on with the job. In fact, so so busy was he that he did not even acknowledge Vietnam Veterans Day. Did not acknowledge the men that had lost their lives and those that have wow. served us because, and did not even did not even acknowledge it on the 18th of August, simply was so busy attacking Scott Morrison. Now, what sort of Prime Minister, with all the symbolism that he's throwing out there at the moment, and he's, and he's forgot to actually acknowledge those men that lost their lives and those that served us. Um, that speaks volumes about Anthony Albanese's values and what he believes about veterans. I, I'm, I'm gobsmacked that, uh, that he's, he's actually done this uh, and no one's really held him to account. Unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. Can we talk about the shortage in supply chain? Our ag and food processing uh, supply chain is estimated to be over 170,000, short over 170,000 workers. I know processors close to where I live are, are looking, you know, desperately trying to get workers over here 
and looking for accommodation, but it is it is in dire straits at the moment. It is, and look, this is what we've been saying for so long. This is why I got the ag visa up. This is why we wanted to make sure that we couldn't uh, we couldn't get to a position whereby people are making investment decisions about not to plant and about their businesses. I mean, in Western Australia, I, I met a bloke yesterday who walked away from his property, a plantation property that that produced. Uh, uh, small crops uh, because he couldn't get any workers. He simply said it's too hard. Uh, we've got businesses that are, that are processing your food. Now, the AWU attacked our farmers and said you can't have an ag visa because we're going to exploit their workers. And I've got to say, I've been pretty pretty disappointed with some of the, the peak bodies. Every time the AWU uh, attacked farmers and said uh, family, family farms were going to um, exploit workers from foreign countries, I mean, no one was standing left or right of me all the all the peak bodies were were carrying in the corner, and now they come up with a number of one hundred and seventy two thousand, which I don't doubt. But the Pacific scheme can only give us at best about fifty thousand, and that's when we're sharing with with other industries. So we've always said the ag visa needs to be there, but I haven't heard boo, I haven't heard boo from the NFF or any of these big peak bodies who are meant to represent farms who farmers pay levy group levies to, uh, attacking this government. They've been too scared, and now because AWU have said no ag visa, we're going to be short and people are making investment decisions and farmers are losing money. And this goes straight through to the processing sector. But what's going to happen is it's not just the poor old farmer. What's going to happen is every person in the city is going to feel this because if supply goes down, price yep. goes up and yep. you're going to pay it at the checkout. And you should see Anthony Albanese's face on that docket every time you pay it because we simply do not have the supply. And this is where we've made a decision as nationals, we're going to go to the job summit. We're going to be pragmatic. We're going to be part of a solution. We, we think it's probably very hollow what they're offering, but regional Australia wasn't even invited to the job summit. And I can't and believe that. that. No, no one from regional Australia is going to the job summit uh, until the nationals got invited. So we said, look, we're going to hold our nose. We're going to, go, as much as it stinks, we're going to go there and we're going to put pragmatic solutions, not just bring the ag visa back, we think we should have a regional skills visa because it's not just agriculture. And we should give these people that come here a pathway to permanent residency. We think we should also allow pensioners and veterans to be able to work more without affecting their payments. And we, and we also think we need to invest in the education piece of continuing on in paying the hex of graduates. We started it with doctors and practitioner nurses, but extend it to pharmacists, registered nurses, teachers, uh, aged care workers, so that we can attract people to the bush. We'll pay their hex debt if they come and work in regional Australia. And I think we've got to continue to build on on the TAFE uh, facilities. State governments need to pull their finger out on that and make sure that we have those kids that are able to undertake TAFE and the regional university centres that the federal government, our federal government started. So we're going to take pragmatic solutions to this, but the federal government has got to stop listening to unions. They've got to start listening to industry. Um, but unfortunately, every round table I see is they're proudly uh, advocating that they've got unions at the table. Uh, unions have a place, but not at the table in holding back Australian agriculture. Can you talk to me? You obviously were out west in Longreach, but you really would like the councils to be constitutionally recognised to be able to apply, uh, to able to apply directly for funds to build major projects and provide more services. And you've been on the regional tour. You're in Longreach. You've been doing a lot. You've seen this, and this is something that you're really passionate about. Yeah, mate, we need to have a look at federation. We're working on a government system predicated off lines put on a map 120 years ago. 
And just, just cast your mind back to how we ran through COVID-19 and how we had a, our Premier say that Queensland hospitals were just for Queenslanders. Australia's moved past this federated model that, that we've, our forefathers put us in. Uh, and we've gone from competitive federalism to the state premiers blaming Canberra and just ask for more money. They're not even trying. They're lazy, it's inefficient, and there's duplication. So why wouldn't we go back to when federation was at its best, when we had competitive federalism? When Job Jockey Peterson, and he, he was the shining light of this, he got rid of death duties. And all of a sudden, everyone went, well, I'm going to go to Queensland. I'm going to take my money. I'm going to invest it in Queensland. And, and he put in, he made it easy to do business in Queensland. So they started to compete rather than worry about Canberra being able to provide it. And what we think is that at the moment, because local government doesn't have constitutional recognition, federal government can't go to them and ask them to roll out a program, can't go to them and ask them to build a road because we have to go through the state government. The state government clips the ticket. And when, they, when I say they clip the ticket, they take an administration fee. And that fee comes from you, the Australian taxpayer. So why wouldn't we give them constitutional recognition and say, local government, there are services that you're providing that we can go directly to you and you can compete against the state government. So we get efficiency of Australian taxpayers' money. Now, I'm not advocating just yet to, to abolish the second tier of government, abolish states. We need to run the ruler over our federation. But it's inefficient. And this is where it's costing the Australian taxpayer a lot of money but there's also those implications that we saw during COVID-19. And if we haven't learnt from that, and we're not prepared now to run the ruler over our federation, then we are sleepwalking into an inefficient government system that is costing Australian taxpayers money and effectively holding you back. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense and one that I think everybody agrees with. You appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for making the effort from Western Australia this morning. I know it's early. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, mate. Good on you, David. Little proud uh, Nationals leader. We'll take a break, come back with more. Margot Andre joining us. Will Wilson as well and Cyril Close not far away. This is Rural Queensland today. It's Wednesday morning, the 24th of August.